Welcome to the Marketplace Midland podcast, where we highlight a monthly speaker that shares helpful tools for all of us to integrate timeless biblical principles into our modern businesses. Well, man, I'm, are we on? Are we on? There you go. I am just beside myself, you know, to have the opportunity to speak to you. And, and, I, and I really mean that. This is, uh, this is a group of men that I have a ton of respect for. And uh, you guys are worthy competitors and good friends. And uh, I, you know, I can't believe that I'm, uh, I'm up here, but I am. And so just to kind of tell you a little bit of my story, uh, I arrived in Midland in the year 2006, uh, got a job, uh, arrived on a Friday night, got a job as a field landman on Monday morning at about 930. And so things moved pretty quickly for me. Um, Oil was like $147 a barrel, so that kind of helped. Um, showed up in Midland with, uh, with an eight-month pregnant wife in a U-Haul and went to work in the courthouse. And here I am, 11 or 12 years later, just totally amazed at what God has done in my life. You can see my family here, uh, my beautiful wife, and I've got four kids. Our oldest is our newest. That's Faith. We brought her home from China uh, just over a year ago. And uh, we just feel so blessed. Love being, being here in Midland. Love being in the oil business. Uh, a lot of you guys in this room have been kind of my examples and mentors. And uh, really, really thankful for you. So, we go ahead and take away the, the picture there. Um, you know, when I was contemplating what I would say if given the opportunity to speak here, at MPM, I asked myself the question, what, if I just had one thing, one lesson, one thing that I've learned that I could deliver to, to you men who are my friends, what would that be? What, what in all of my experience would be the one most valuable, helpful, clarifying lesson that I've learned? And I figured out what it was, and I'm going to share it with you. But I want to say, I, I learned this the hard way. This is not, um, there's, no, there's no glory here in I'm so smart and I learned this. And because I learned this, I've been very successful. No, this is, I, there are a lot of scars and a lot of pain and a lot of failure and a lot of mistakes that are kind of the, the backstory to this lesson. So please, uh, you know, kind of know that. And um, I, I, I'm not saying that to sort of feign humility. It really is something that I've, I've been very humbled to learn. And I think a lot of you guys in this room will say, hey, I'm learning that too. Hopefully it'll resonate. And it's actually a very simple finding. It's a very simple truth. And that is this. Everything is about God. Everything is about God. You know, when God created the world... He created it for His own glory. He created it for Himself, not for us. He didn't create because He was lonely, because He had needs. He created for His own pleasure. And He created to show and display His own beauty, value, and worth. Another way of what I'm saying uh, is, guys, God is intrinsically valuable. Have you found God to be intrinsically valuable valuable not as a means to something else but as an end in himself 
Tim Keller says this. He says, religious people find God useful. Christians find God beautiful. And I'm here to say, for much of my life, to me, God was useful, but he wasn't necessarily beautiful. To me, he was uh, useful as a means to a happy life, a means to not go to hell when I die, a means to have a successful uh, career, a means to a, a great marriage, a means to happy kids. But guys, I'm here to tell you, at the end of the day, God himself is the treasure. And I want to say to you that the, this learning has for me been, um, the, the term I've heard is a Copernican revolution. Do you guys remember when you were a little kid, little, little, and uh, you'd go outside and uh, if you're from Midland, for sure, everything was flat. And every morning, this little, this little round disc, this kind of orange, would come up in the east and it would go overhead and by the end of the day it would go down uh, at the end. It was moving around you from where you were standing. And then the moon would come up and then it would go down. And then maybe in first grade or second grade, your world was turned upside down when you learned the upsetting news that the sun was not revolving around you and your house. And that in fact, you were on this tiny little piece of dirt hurtling through space around that sun. And, and the sun was actually the center, except that the sun itself is not actually the center. The sun is the center of a solar system that's way out on the edge of the Milky Way galaxy, and the Milky Way galaxy is going around like this, kind of in one corner of the universe. And all of a sudden, it, it, it occurs to you, I'm not at the center of the universe. I don't, know, I don't know if you remember that. I remember it, and I remember it being kind of upsetting because how, how do we stand up on the earth if we're rotating, right? I mean, how are we not, like, falling over? You know, it really bothered me. But it, it is kind of a, it's a, it's a huge shift in your frame of reference. And you go from feeling like the center of everything and feeling big to feeling like, man, I'm nowhere near the center of everything, and I'm very small and, frankly, insignificant. Now... <clears throat> That's actually not a very exciting thing to learn. You know, it's kind of like having the rug pulled out from under you a little bit. I mean, who wants to be told that they're actually not the center of everything? Who wants to be told, hey, everything is not about you. The reason for everything is not you and your happiness. The reason for everything is someone else. But I want to say that once I got over this, um, th th this Copernican revolution where I learned that God was the center of everything and not myself, it has had the most profound influence of anything else on my life. And that's what I want to share with you today. John Piper puts it this way. Have you ever heard a sequence of thought like this? Before you ever came on the scene, before the universe ever existed, God was holy infinitely valuable, incomparable, and absolutely unique. And he knew it. And he loved it. And he treasured it because he's wise and righteous. And a righteous person always values what is most valuable. Therefore, before you ever came on the scene, 
God valued God above all things. He saw the perfections of himself shining out of his own infinitely glorious divine son. And he loved his son. And the son loved the father. And the Holy Spirit powerfully, personally radiated between the father and the son before you were ever on the scene. And then you came. And I'll tell you something. Nothing changed. God did not suddenly become an idolater when he created man, putting man where God belongs. God is not a man worshiper. God is a God worshiper. Or would you deny him the highest joys of the universe? You are not the center of God's values. The glory of God is the center of his values. You are not the center of his redeeming work. The magnifying of Christ in your life is the center of his redeeming work. You are not the treasure of the gospel. God is the treasure of the gospel. Guys, why would I say that this may be really disturbing truth is helpful? You know, I told you, that I wanted to share with you what I had found to be the most helpful, clarifying learning that I've had. Why would this be so helpful? Guys, here's why I think it's it's been helpful for me and why I think it's going to be helpful for you. You need a why. You need a why. And you need the right why. And the right why is not a thing And it's not a cause. The right why is a person. And that person is not you. That person is Jesus. You know, in Jesus, God came down to us as a man to bring us to himself. To make it so that we could enjoy him along with him. That's what's good about the good news. Guys, the gospel is good news because God is good. The reason to be excited about Jesus is not as a means to anything, but actually as the end of all things. Guys, when when God took on human flesh and came down to earth, He was doing something amazing. He saw you from all the way from the other side of the universe. He saw you lost. He saw you separated from Him. He saw you at war with Him. And He saw you dead, the Bible says, in your sins and transgressions. He saw us and He took the initiative to come all the way to where we were, to become a human. He lived a perfect life, not as royalty, but as a poor person. And then He went to the cross and He took on himself, all of the just wrath for your sins and my sins that we deserve before a holy God. Not just to get us out of hell, but to get us to God. To get us to God so that we could not, not just survive being with God, but actually enjoy it. Guys, I want to say 
that the reason I think this is so helpful and clarifying is that the gospel, this good news about Jesus coming to earth to live a, a life in our place, die for our sins, that he rose again, that he sits in heaven uh, ready and willing to save anyone who turns to him, gives you a, a big, not just a big why. I want to propose that it gives you the right why. And it's a why that can fuel everything you do as a business person, as a husband, as a dad. Guys, Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the true treasure. I want to, from my own experience, share with you three ways in, in my life story that I, you might say, got cross-threaded, that I wasn't connected right to God through the gospel in, in ways that kept me from experiencing this life I'm talking about where you see God as the center of everything and you enjoy it and where you're able to live a life where you enjoy Him and you enjoy being used by Him to bring glory to Himself. And the first one is really simple, actually. Um, the, the first one is, I wasn't a Christian. Many of you, like me, I think grew up in a religious home and um, you know, probably went to church and Sunday school some. Um, I certainly did, and uh, I'd like to tell you that I was so religious that I got saved twice in, uh, in Sunday school. Well, once was at VBS, and once was at, once was at Sunday school. You know, I thought in all sincerity that I had done the thing that makes you a Christian. You could not have told me that I wasn't a Christian. As far as I knew, as far as I knew, I was a Christian. I believed in God. I believed that he existed. I believed in Jesus. I believed that he, I believed, you know, all the, all the things that you believe, right? But I didn't, you know, I, I learned later. I learned as a 15-year-old when God did grant me authentic saving faith and showed me that I was a sinner and that I needed to be saved. And he gave me faith in Jesus. I, I found out that, you know, this box-checking Christianity that I had before just really wasn't, wasn't the real deal. And so um, I want to speak to you guys because some of you may be in that same boat. You may say, look, I'm a Christian. What are you talking about? I'm, a, I'm at a Christian businessman's luncheon. Well, I mean, what is there to talk about? Um, I, I, want you to, I want you to have an honest look at yourself and say, have I put my faith in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone not just to save me, but to be my God, my Lord, and my treasure. The second, uh, the second thing that I'd like to share. So, what, for me, salvation took place at age 15. And uh, as I you know, continued to grow up, went off to college, um, I, I, ran into another, um, I ran into another disconnect. And it was a very painful one for me. And, and I think that this one might, might speak to a lot of you guys as well. You guys are Division I guys. I mean, everyone in this room is high capacity. You guys know how to earn. You know how to achieve. You know how to take care of business. You know how to get, get done what needs to be done. And I think that sometimes, while that can be good for us in business, it can actually be bad for us in our relationship with God. Because, you know, in the world... 
Um, you know, your acceptance at work by your boss is really based on your performance at the end of the day, isn't it? But it's actually the opposite with God. If you understand the gospel, if you understand the good news of what Jesus has done for you on the cross, the implication of that is your acceptance by God is not a function of your performance. It's not. And so maybe you've done this. I was certainly doing this. I I knew that I was a Christian. I knew that I would go to heaven when I died. But practically speaking, on a day-to-day basis, I lived in this treadmill of feeling like I had to keep performing for God to like me. I knew that he forgave me, but I didn't really feel like he loved me or he was happy with me. I didn't really feel like he was smiling with me. I, I knew all of my failures. I thought I did. I knew I had a lot of them. And so you just kind of feel like, look, I, I know I've got to do more than I'm doing here to really make God proud and make him happy. Guys, there's something about the gospel that makes it really hard to believe. And, and, and actually, this is kind of not your fault. It's not our fault. You know, we have this inherent mechanism where we know when something is too good to be true. I mean, if I called you today and said, hey, I've got a section of minerals in Martin County. I'm looking to lease. Um, 200 bucks an acre would do it if you could, uh, if you, if you could get to that number. And uh, I mean, I'd be fine with a one-eighth royalty. Uh, <laughs> there's something about that that you, you know one of three things is happening here, right? Either I'm lying to you, like you're like, that, that's not true. You just know instinctively that's not true. Or you know that um, if, I'm not, if I'm not lying to you or deceiving you, that there must be a huge string attached, right? You know that there has to be some fine print with that that uh, I'm, not, I'm not yet getting around to, right? You know, they're like, oh, by the way, I also want a jet, or something like that. You know, you know you're, you're expecting that there has to be this kind of follow-on requirement, right? Because, you know, it's just too good to be true. Um, or, or I guess the third thing would be, may, I don't think I heard you correctly. That can't be what you said. Maybe the phone cut out, you know, can you say it again, right? I mean, I think that's our response. And actually, that's a, 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 a good survival mechanism, right? I mean, I think maybe that's one of these God-implanted things that protects us from scammers or something like that. Um, But, you know, that thing can actually protect you from a relationship with God, which is not a good thing. Guys, the gospel is not just a message for people who don't yet know God. It is certainly that. The gospel is a message for guys who know God, who have entered into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, but who day in and day out struggle with feeling like their relationship with God is based on their performance. Now, you and I both know that for God to say, look, here's what I'm going to do. You're a sinner. You have no hope in the universe. I'm going to come down there. I'm going to do everything it takes to bring you into relationship with me. I'm going to forgive all your sins. I'm going to bring you into my family. I'm going to write you into my will. You have an amazing, unspeakably happy future ahead of you. Uh, and all that's for free. And you just believe in me and it's yours. It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. Guys, when I was a student at a and I told you I was kind of on this, this treadmill. 
you know, just trying to figure out what it was God wanted me to do. God, what am I not doing to make you happy? I don't feel like you're happy with me. And uh, if you went to A&M and lived in the commons, you know, there's these nasty, nasty bathrooms that connect the two, two dorms, you know, and you have to lock it or your roommate from the other side, your sweet mate will walk in there and it's kind of the only place you can get away. And uh, I, was, I remember sitting on the floor of uh, the bathroom in the dorm at A&M, Dunn Hall. Anybody live in Dunn? Whoop. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these people that, you know, every day, hey, God said this to me this morning. I, I usually kind of think that that's kind of weird, but I've had a few instances where I knew that the Holy Spirit was impressing something upon me so clearly, there's no doubt in my mind that with, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that it was, was from God. And uh, I had my Bible open, and I very distinctly felt like the Lord was telling me uh, that my problem was not my obedience. My problem was that I didn't believe Him. And right there in front of me was the verse uh, in Romans, Romans 8.1. And it says, talking about the gospel and what Jesus has done, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And very distinctly, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, I'm saying that to you, but you don't believe it. And he was right. He was right. It did not feel true. Romans 8.1 did not feel true to me. And so what I was doing was trusting in my feelings instead of those words that God wrote on that page of Scripture in His own Son's blood. And so I remember feeling Him giving me the faith and the courage to dare to believe the gospel, to dare to put my trust and what he was saying in Romans 8.1, and you know, it's not just in Romans 8.1, it's written across the entire Bible. Guys, God has done something for us that is way too good to be true. Hey, the best reason not to believe the gospel is because it's too good to be true. I mean, it's, you know, forget science, forget all that stuff. Something, somebody is saying something to you ridiculously good that can't possibly be true in the gospel. And so I think we, we instinctively respond to it sometimes and have a hard time believing it. But can I just challenge you today? If, you, if you're guy number two, if you are in a performance-based relationship with God, he doesn't want you to be. He actually wants you to go back to square one and put your trust in what he did for you on the cross and put all of your dependence on Jesus Christ as making you and keeping you right with God. The third kind of derailment that occurred for me is actually one that I continue to struggle with. And um, I call it the transactional follower of Jesus. So we've talked about, hey, if you're not a follower of Jesus, would you receive his invitation today to put your faith in him and enter into a relationship with him? Number two, we've said if you're a performance-based Christian, you need to believe the gospel. It's for you too. And the last one here, is this idea of a transactional follower of Jesus. And I just have the sense that a lot of us in this room, this could apply to us. You know, there's a, there's a story in the Gospels where uh, this young man comes up to Jesus. 
we call it the rich young ruler. You've probably, probably read that story. Very wealthy guy, um, doing all the right religious things. It doesn't say he was from Midland, but he very well could have been, I think. Um, he could be in this room. He could be you. He could, he could be me. He comes to Jesus and uh, he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he has this really interesting conversation with Jesus. And, you know, he, he's kept all the rules. He's obeyed the Ten Commandments. He's done that. And uh, Jesus looks at the rich young ruler. And it says uh, something really, really special. It says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And Jesus asks him this question. Jesus sees right through this guy. Jesus sees that this guy has everything. And that he's done all the religious things too. But that he has never experienced God as his true treasure. He's standing in front of the true treasure of the universe. And he wants what he can get from Jesus, not Jesus. And it says he goes away sad. And uh, I think there are a lot of sad, rich young rulers in Midland. Guys, this, this is the men in this room, the brains in this room, the money in this room, the expertise in this room, the, the religious performance in this room. I mean, this may be the highest concentration of those things on planet Earth at the very moment. But it is possible, and I've experienced it, it's possible to have a lot of dough and to be doing the church thing and to not be experiencing God himself, Jesus himself, as your true and lasting treasure. You know, there's another, uh, there's another story in the, in the Gospels where Jesus is telling this parable called the parable of the sower. And uh, so the story is there's a man sowing seed, right? You probably heard this one before. And some seed falls on the path, and some seed falls on the rocky soil, and some seed falls in the thorns, and then some falls on good soil. And uh, the disciples are really confused by this. And later on they get Jesus and they say, hey, could you explain that to us? And as Jesus is explaining what it meant, he says about the seed that was uh, thrown in the, in the thorns. He says, you know, the seed is the word of God. And the seed that's thrown in the thorns is a seed that goes into the soil and it starts to grow. But then as it grows, thorns come up and ch- try and choke it. And he says, and the thorns represent the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things. Guys, I believe that we're in a fight for our lives. There are thorns around us. Now, I'm not saying money is evil. but We know that the Bible is real clear. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And, you know, with us in this room, probably the thing that is most likely to tempt us, because we spend all of our time making money, is that we're going to look to money to be our true, ultimately satisfying, enjoyable, reliable treasure instead of the real, true, and satisfying ultimate treasure. 
I think, it's, I think we're all at risk of this. I know I struggle with this. You know, it's, it's, it, what do you do every day? You go to work and you chop wood to make money, right? We're around it all the time. And apart from a miracle, and God can do miracles, we're going to derail into love of money. And we're going to miss what the rich young ruler missed, which was the treasure that was right in front of him. You know, it, it says that the seed that fell on the good soil grew up and it uh, multiplied. It bore a lot of seed in it, in it, in it, and it made more seed. Guys, if we will see Jesus as our treasure, our lives will be fruitful. I want to, as we close, I want to, want to throw out some good news to you. You know, these three guys, and and I hope that you're you're having an honest conversation with yourself and saying, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, guy number three. You know, I think really honestly, you could be in more than one of those, uh, one of those spots. Wherever you're at, whichever one of those guys you might be right now, some really good news for you that I've learned, and don't, you know, don't be impressed, only learned the hard way. There's actually a simple solution to being any one of those three guys. Anywhere where you are on the map with God, there's one quick way back to a right relationship with Him. And it's something that the Bible calls to repent and believe. And those are two words, but it's really one motion. It's kind of like stop and put your hands up. You do them both at the same time. Pretty simple, guys. To repent is just to humbly turn to God from your heart. Turning away from what God calls sin and turning away from self-righteousness. The mistake we're likely to make here in Midland is that we'll turn away from sin and we'll say, if I start going to church every Sunday, God will like me. You have to turn away from that too. You have to turn away from your own self-generated performance-based righteousness and then, and then you, you put your faith in Jesus, which is a deliberate choice to de- depend on Him and rely on Him, both as your Savior and as your treasure. Guys, if you're, if you're in any one of these positions, I would just encourage you, I would plead with you, would you humbly turn to God? And this isn't a public thing. This isn't for show. This is in your heart. This is between you and your Creator. Humbly turn to God and put all of your dependence, all of your hope, all of your reliance on the person of Jesus Christ. He is claiming to be sufficient for you as a worthy object of all of your affections. Guys, treasure is whatever you look to to supply you with enjoyment. Make Jesus your treasure. Guys, what is your treasure? What is your source of joy? I want to very humbly say Jesus has become progressively, for me, my treasure. I'm not at all saying that as a uh, merit badge or anything like that. I'm telling you, I have, I have, I've, I'm dragging myself in here to say that. I have spent a lot of time not treasuring Jesus. And He has very graciously showed me, hey, none of the other stuff is going to make you happy. I am going to make you happy. You know, Jesus says, 
to seek first his kingdom and all the other stuff will be added as well. That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about, guys. Seek him first as your treasure. You know, I think a lot of us have treated Jesus like a bolt-on acquisition. Guys, Jesus is not a bolt-on acquisition. He is not a little more acreage so you can drill longer laterals of personal success. That's not what he's presenting, to, presenting himself to you as. And if you've heard that, I'm sorry, that was incorrect. Jesus is, Jesus is coming in uh, for an unsolicited takeover bid. Okay, He wants to completely take over your life rewire you, give you an entirely new purpose, make you happy about entirely different things, give you a new purpose that you don't have, and give you joy. Guys, the Bible is not just a book of values, like fables that teach you good lessons that you can apply to your life so that you can have a happier life. Now, The Bible is full of truth and lessons that you can apply to your life to have a happier life. But the Bible is way more than just an expression of God's values. The Bible actually tells us God's mission, what it is that motivates Him. And what motivates Him is His own glory to show Himself to be the true treasure of the universe. And you know, the really amazing thing is, God's pursuit of his own glory and our pursuit of happiness are one and the same. And the Westminster Catechism says it this way, the chief end of man, meaning the reason why God created humans, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think John Piper uh, improves it a little bit. And he says, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever guys if you make jesus your treasure and hey i realize i'm asking something big here this is a huge risk this is a huge risk i mean i'm asking you to put your faith in someone you can't see as the actual thing you pursue every day for your highest and deepest enjoyment but i promise you if you make jesus your treasure you will not regret it you will experience a joy that you've never experienced Now, I'm not saying that life is going to be easy all of a sudden. What I'm saying is God is going to give you a joy that surpasses and survives all of the ups and downs of life. One more thing. One one more thing about this, uh, this kind of dangerous, crazy thing that I'm proposing to you. If you do this, if you decide to put Jesus in your asset column, your treasure column, and you decide to move everything else to the loss column, like Paul talks about counting everything lost for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, if you do that, you are crazy. You are crazy because it's going to get wild. I promise you, it will get wild. Your life is going to get wild. You might end up with Chinese kids. <laughs> you, you might end up in China. Or you might end up like my good buddy who lives in the Middle East because he wants to tell Muslim Arabs the good news about Jesus Christ who texted me today and said, hey, please pray for me. I've got an imam who wants to meet with me to study the Bible and learn more about Jesus. That could happen. Just a heads up. Can I pray for us?
Jesus, you are the true and lasting, satisfying treasure. Everything is about you. Lord, we want to repent of any time that we have ever looked at you as useful for our own purposes. Lord, we don't want to make you useful for us. We want to be useful for you. Lord, we don't want to live our lives pursuing fake treasure, treasure that doesn't last. Lord, we don't want to be that guy that you warned us about in the New Testament who's got barns full of stuff and doesn't have true treasure. We don't want to be that guy. God, I pray that you would grant repentance and faith to every man in this room, Lord. If there is a man in this room who has never once put his faith in you, for salvation. God, I pray that you would grant that man radical, ridiculous faith to run to you and to jump into your arms, Lord, to uh, receive the 100% free to us, not free to you, gift of salvation. Lord, any guy in this room who is performing for you, who is not feeling that you love him and that you're happy with him, Lord, I pray that you would grant that man amazing, ridiculous faith to believe that he is already right with you, that you are already pleased with him, that he is already your loved son because of what you have done for him, that that is locked in and you keep spraying him with love and grace every day. Lord, that's way too good to be true, so we don't normally believe that. Would you help that, that brother of mine to do that? And Lord, for all of us who live in this uh, pinnacle of wealth and success, Lord, in Midland, Texas, I pray that you would do a miracle so that we don't succeed big at the wrong things. Lord, we want you to be preeminent. We want you to be the treasure in our hearts. We want you to be the true treasure of Midland, Texas. And Lord, we know that one of the ways we get more joy from you is by helping other people put their joy, put their faith, have their hope in you through the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would bless these men and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Marketplace Midland Podcast. 